Nehemiah chapter 6, for those of you that are keeping score, we're almost done. So we have, uh, we're going to the first two verses in chapter 7 to see the completion of the walls being built in Jerusalem. Now, Nehemiah is historically and, and in terms of uh, the, the time frame of books that have been written in the Old Testament is one of the last books, if not the last book, in the Old Testament uh, in terms of the date of when it was written. Because Nehemiah went back into the city of Jerusalem to help rebuild the walls, and he actually stayed there 12 years to see this project done. He became the governor over Jerusalem, and now in the tail end of this message series that we're looking at now, Nehemiah is accused of wanting to be the king and wanting to take this high-ranking office and be the, the Lord over everything. And of course, that's just an accusation that's not true. And I don't know how many of you have ever faced any kind of accusation, any kind of, you know, someone blaming you for something, or calling you out on something, or accusing you of something, of what your go-to method of defense is. You know, a lot of us, when we get defensive, and we feel like we're being attacked, or we feel like we are being accused of something, our first thought is to say, oh yeah, well, and then we follow it up with some accusation back to that person. You know, I'm rubber, you're glue, whatever you say bounces off me and sticks on you. We can all be, you know, third grade here if we want to, but a lot of times that's kind of our defense mechanism is we throw something back at them. Well, I read about a pastor in upstate New York several years ago who led his church to have a raffle of a gun and not just any gun, but an AR-15. And in this church service, he built this thing up to a, a fever pitch. I mean, he got all kinds of people coming. He put it on the church's uh, website, newsletter, sent it out. We're doing this massive raffle to give away this free AR-15. He believed in the Second, and still does, believed in the Second Amendment that, you know, we are entitled to own guns and protect ourselves and protect our home and property. And, and, and not that there's anything in and of itself wrong with that. But his motives really weren't the Second Amendment. His motives are really much deeper than that. Now, I will say this was a Baptist pastor, but he's not Southern Baptist, so that may count for a little something. But his motives was not really the Second Amendment, not really saying, you know, we're going to be true Americans to the Constitution. Oh, he put this on the church's website. He said, and I won't tell you his name, it's not important, but it says that he was honoring hunters and gun owners who have been viciously attacked by the anti-Christian socialist media and the anti-Christian socialist politicians the last few years. He said giving away this gun was, quote, the right thing to do. Well, you can imagine that in his town, where this Baptist church is, during the time of this raffle a few years ago, it didn't sit well with every churchgoer in the region, and certainly not with every pastor. Some pastors called him out and said, look, we're supposed to equip people with the sword of the Spirit, not giving them AR-15s to shoot people because they're being attacked in the media and because they're being attacked you know, in the news. That's, that's not our job as Christians. But this pastor felt like it was absolutely the right thing to do 
to equip people who are being attacked by non-Christians with a gun. And when that is your motive, to think that that is the best weapon of defense against a non-Christian attack, then you really have to determine, is my heart in the right place? Am I really trying to give uh, you know, a tip of the hat to the Second Amendment, or am I really just trying to pick a fight? Now, when you look at Nehemiah chapter 6, here's the thing that you understand almost right off the bat. Nehemiah had some opposition. He had people that didn't like him. He had people that didn't like what was happening in Jerusalem. There were people that didn't think that Nehemiah had the right motives. They thought that he was trying to take the place of the king. And there were many people that came to him trying to not only distract the work that was being done, but even threatened to kill him and the others who were doing the work. If you were in the place of Nehemiah, and if you were doing something that God wanted you to do, if you were being obedient to the call of God on your life, and somebody wanted to step in and distract you, if somebody wanted to step between you and God, and destroy what you were doing that God had called you to. Perhaps even if somebody wanted to destroy your character, your reputation, your integrity, and everything about you, how would you respond? I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but we don't live in a 100% absolutely dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ, 100% Christian nation. I don't know if that's shocking new information to you or not. I'm not giving away an AR-15 this morning to equip you to go to war against non-Christians in society. However, what I am going to do is I'm going to point you to the example of Nehemiah. And I'm going to tell you that today that God is greater than any weapon, that the Word of God is more powerful than anything we could ever come up with, and if we're willing to stand strong in the face of any opposition, whether it's at school, at work, in your home, in your family, no matter where it might be, God is going to win that battle. And if you'll be faithful to talk about and focus on the things of God, then whenever that opposition comes, and I'm telling you one day it will, when that opposition comes, you will be fully equipped not because of what's in your pocket, not because of what's tucked into your belt, not because of what's under your pillow at night, but because of the Lord Jesus living inside of you. And you're going to see how God not only protected Nehemiah, but used him, and how the work got finished in spite of all of this opposition. I want you to notice in the first few verses, in Nehemiah chapter 6, the Bible tells us in these verses, that we need to focus on God as our provider. God is going to provide you with some of the most necessary and essential methods of dealing with problems and persecution and frustrations that you could possibly understand. Now, we won't read all of these verses of Scripture, but the first five verses in chapter 6, there is a group of men whose names we've seen before, now they've come back again and they've brought some other people with them. And they're constantly sending letters to Nehemiah. Four times they sent word to him that they wanted him to stop what he was doing. They wanted him to come out and meet with them. 
And they wanted to reason with him why this work he was doing was the wrong thing. Nehemiah did not stop the work because his focus was on God. And I want you to notice down in verse 5. The Bible says, in the same way, Sanballat, who we have seen before, for the fifth time sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you are building the wall, and according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem, there is a king in Judah, and now the king will hear of these reports. So now come and let us take counsel together. In this letter, by the way, that Sanballat brought to Nehemiah, and I want you to understand, first of all, it was an open letter. What does that mean? That means it wasn't sealed just for Nehemiah to read. It was almost like he was waving it around and making copies of it and letting everybody see these accusations. But he wanted Nehemiah to stop. He was being a distraction to the work. He was falsely accusing Nehemiah. He was telling him that Nehemiah's ultimate goal was to be the, the king, lord over all things, in the area of Judah, where the city of Jerusalem is, and that was his motivation. You know, I have learned over the years that the closer you get to God and the more faithful you are to follow God's will for your life, the more spiritual distractions that you're going to face. I imagine if we had a testimony time this morning, if some of you were to share your life experience, some of you would probably say, you know, I was going through kind of a difficult moment. I, I started to draw closer to the Lord. And, and, and just as I did, just as I started to pray, or just as I started to be more faithful in my Bible study, something happened at work. Something happened in my family. You know, they say things happen in threes. Nothing just happens at once. No, nothing is just like a, a minor incident. It's almost as though if you're going to have problems and distractions, they're going to come at you from different sides, different angles, and they're going to kind of mount up on you, and you're going to say, God must hate me because I'm going through this terrible time. Okay, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one because y'all are looking like, Pastor, I don't have any problems. And good for you if you don't. But there have been times in my life, I'll just put it this way, where it seems as though the more faithful I want to be to follow the Lord and the more focused that I want to be on His Word and the more focused that I want to be on God's will for my life that I have all of these distractions and all these issues that come into my life. Now the, the question is not, will you have problems? The question is, what do you do when the problems come? Where do you turn and what do you do when you have all of these spiritual distractions? I'll tell you what happens a lot of times. A lot of times when we get spiritually distracted, we withdraw from God and we stop praying. We stop reading His Word. We stop attending a worship service and we, we don't go to a Bible study that we've been to for months or years. We withdraw away from the source of where our help comes from. Because what happens is, it's just like a child that touches a hot stove. We touch a hot stove, it burns us. What happens is we back away. Well, what Nehemiah learned is the closer I get to God, 
the closer I get to the source of peace in my life and God's direction for me and God's blessing over my life, the more that this spiritual distraction is going to come to me. So what's my response? Is my response to step away from God and to leave those distractions alone? Or is my response to stand firm in what I know to be true and let God handle the distractions? I tell you, our human nature is to back away from God because we almost see getting close to God as the problem and the distractions as evidence that we're just getting too close to God. When in reality, very few of us know how to stand and how to fight. Very few of us know how to stand firm in Christ and let God handle those distractions. Very few of us know the spiritual discipline of just standing firm on the Word of God and trust that the God who brought us to this point is the one who will carry us beyond this point. That it is not God who we need to withdraw from, but it is God who we need to cling to. There are always going to be problems. You know, there's really two kinds of problems in the world. There are kinds of problems that you come to and problems that come to you. Now, the problems that come to you would be like an issue at work, a relationship problem, cancer, heart disease. Some of these problems that just kind of sneak up on you, you never saw coming, they hit you, all of a sudden, they're there and you have to deal with them. Anybody have ever had any problems like that? Again, I'm the only one being honest this morning. No, that's fine. But then there are problems that you come to. You see, these are problems that we create. These are problems that we mess with. These are problems that we tinker with enough and, and we just eventually just walk slowly enough toward these problems and all of a sudden, boom, they hit us and we don't know what to do. There are problems that come to us, but then there are also problems that we come to. But friend, I'm going to tell you the solution to any and all problems that happen in our life is the same. Nehemiah learned that all of these accusations, whether they were true, whether they were false, whether they were founded, or whether they were all made up, he knew that his focus needed to stay on God as provider. Now I want you to notice down in verse 9, well before we get there, let's look at verse 8. The Bible says, then I sent to him saying, this is Nehemiah's response, no such thing as you say have been done. For you are inventing them out of your own mind. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. You see, whenever we focus on God as our provider, whatever the problem is, God is always the solution. Here, Nehemiah is being attacked. He's being accused. The first thing he does is he calls it for what it is. He says, look, you're making this stuff up. Nothing that you're saying is accurate. But then one of the deep accusations is not just about him, it's about everybody participating in this endeavor. And they say eventually their hands are going to get weak, 
Eventually, they're going to stop. Eventually, they're going to give up. This is the strategy of every preschooler that I've ever met. If you ask mom or dad for a cookie long enough, they will cave. If I just keep asking for what I want, eventually they will give in. Now look, I have had children. My children are still wonderful at negotiation. They all should have been lawyers, one in particular. Because the more she asks, I mean, the more they ask, and the more rationale they throw at you, and the more information they give, and the, the more diligent they are, eventually the parents will, will come to some kind of negotiation, right? This, half, this is a preschool strategy if I've ever heard one. But Nehemiah said this. He said, what you're saying, uh, this is the Randy Revised Version. He said, what you're saying is, we're going to give up. The more you talk, the more you complain, the more you frustrate, we'll just back away and say, you know what, God's not worth it, we quit. Being a part of a church is just not worth it. Being a Christian, you know what, it's too difficult, I give up, I quit. You know what, you're right, I can't handle it. Nehemiah, not only does he call out what they're saying is untrue, but he takes the accusation of them as a group falling away from God, and he says, not only is that not going to happen, but I'm going to pray that God strengthens our hands so that their prophetic lie never comes true. You probably don't realize this. But there are plenty of people all across America, there are plenty of people in Adair County who would honestly not mind if churches just went away. If this gospel message that we keep talking about and singing about, if these groups that gather together would not mind if we just drifted off and just didn't meet anymore and that our buildings would turn into, you know, I don't even know what, a storefront or something, and our churches just disappeared. You probably don't realize that, but then you may not watch the news. Christians are an annoying aspect to every society. Why? Because we focus on God, our Creator. We focus on Jesus as the solution to our problem. We point people to a higher power and a divine source of salvation that does not come within the human ability. We are an annoyance into a society that wants everything to be about us. This is why we must pray. This is why we must be faithful. Church, this is why we must have a future. This is why we must have faithful members that love the Lord Jesus and love you as a church and love one another and love our community to just say there is nothing that's going to distract us from what God wants to do. You've got to be this way at work. You cannot have a day off from being a faithful follower of Jesus no matter how bad it is at work. You can't, as a parent, say, okay, you know what? The pressure of being a Christian parent is too great. I'm just going to take some time off from Jesus, and I'm just going to uh, come back to Him when it's convenient. 
Sometimes our strategies in dealing with problems are so far away from God that if we'll just learn to stand fast and to pray that God would strengthen our hands, that God would strengthen our heart, that God would solidify His Word in our mind, and God would just help us to stand firm, then we would see time and time again any problem that comes to us or any problem that we come to is going to be defeated. Nehemiah said, God, strengthen my hands. Now, like I said, I'm not giving away an AR-15. That happened just a few, uh, few years ago. But back in the year 1530, in Europe, there was a military magazine that was put together for strategic warfare for one country invading another. Now, in 1530, they didn't have a lot of the more modern methods of fighting. In this military magazine, one of the suggestions was to create something that would be called today a rocket cat. Now, I'm not the biggest fan of cats. I love dogs. I like dogs. Not the biggest. Cats are just kind of mysterious. You know, like you never know what they're thinking. They go in one room, and then all of a sudden they run to the other room. You're like, okay, did they see something I don't see? They're just... They're just kind of mysterious. But in 1530, a military magazine said, here's what you do. You sneak up onto... Now, I'm not making this up. I wish I was. They said, you sneak up into this city that you want to overtake. You go and you find some cats that are outside of some homes, and you make this sack and light it on fire, tie it to this cat, about a mile away from the city. Let the cat go, and what this military magazine says, they're going to run straight for their home, and they're going to light that house on fire. And if you do this enough, you're going to burn the whole city down. You got it made. Never once did the military magazine think that when you tie anything to a cat, it's not necessarily going to go the direction that you think it's going to go. And how do you know it's not just going to sit there in your own camp and you've got a hundred burning cats with sacks on their back and now you've burned down your own camp and the city that you want to invade is perfectly safe. Can I just say that sometimes the solutions that we come up with to problems are dumb? Can I say that? I have met some Christians that have sat in my office and told me how they're dealing with problems. And I can't say it out loud, but I want to look at them and say, really? That's what you're going with? Have you not read the Bible? Did you just meet me? Have you never heard anything that I've ever said? Do you not know Jesus? Because listen, some of the solutions we come up with have nothing to do with God. They're not wise, they're not spirit-filled, they're filled with fear, they're filled with selfishness, they're filled with an immediate need to get out of danger, but what many times they do is create more danger than they can eliminate. Friend, I'm telling you, if you'll just stick close with God, if you'll just stand on His Word, 
You will equip yourself with the armor of God and just learn how to stand fast and ask God to strengthen your hands, to strengthen your heart, to strengthen your mind. Then just like Nehemiah, you will learn how to have victory in Jesus. We need to focus on God as our protector. The second thing I want you to see, we need to focus on God as our provider. But second of all, we need to focus on God as our protector. Why? Because listen, a lot of the strategies that we come up with are not good. But God's strategies always work. Listen to how Nehemiah dealt with these issues. It says in verse 10, Now when I went into the house of Shemaiah, I'll just skip down past the names, who was confined to his home, he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple, Let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. But I said, should such a man as I run away, and what what man such as I could go into the temple and live, I will not go in. Now here's what's happening. To kind of wrap up this story, Nehemiah is now met by a guy who says, hey, they're going to kill you. They are coming at night to kill you, and here's the solution. You need to run into the temple of God, and you need to hide there. Now, Nehemiah asked two rhetorical questions of this guy, and I want to handle the second one first, and then come back to the first one. The second question Nehemiah asked is, why should I run into the temple? What kind of a guy am I to run into the temple and hide? Now let me just break that down for you and tell you that a lot of us see this place of worship as a safe place. A lot of us see this the house of God as a place of worship. It's a place where we fellowship together. It's a place where we sing and we pray and we try to stay awake during a sermon and we, you know, do all of this spiritual stuff for God. This is a safe place. Nehemiah knew that the temple was a safe place. But he also knew that it was not a place where he is supposed to go and run and hide. God did not call Nehemiah to go into the house of God and bury himself there and barricade himself there and stop doing the work so that he could just simply hide in the house of God. Now, I don't know if there's anybody here today who would ever have such a strategy. But a lot of times as Christians, what we do with God is we say, okay, God, I'm not going to face the problem. I'm not going to go out there and be faithful to you. I'm just going to hide and I'm just going to bury myself and I'm just going to trust and I'm just going to be so so cowardly and and God, I'm just going to to bury my head under my pillow, under my covers and I'm going to stay right here. As a strategy, there's some wisdom there. It's a safe place. It's a place where you could just hide and just trust that all of these problems one day are going to go away. Or, you can trust that God is the one who is in control and that God is going to protect you. Nehemiah knew that running into the house of God and just hiding there was not the place of protection. 
Nehemiah knew that the best protection that he could ever find is being in the center of the will of God, and that was on the wall doing the work exactly what God called him to. Friend, don't ever think that you can hide from problems by getting away from God and God's will. The safest place that you'll ever be is right where God wants you to be. You may have distractions, you may have problems, you may have people hating you, you may have people talking about you, and you could run and hide and bury your head and hope that all of those things will go away, or you could stand in the, in the firm center of the will of God and know that God is going to protect you. Now what about that first question? The first question Nehemiah asked, a rhetorical question, he said, he said, should such a man as I run away? Here's what Nehemiah understood that I hope that you'll understand. Here's something that Paul understood who died as a result of having his head cut off after being a missionary to most of the known world and planting churches all over the known world and writing all of the two-thirds of the New Testament that we have. Here's a lesson that the Apostle Paul knew. Here's a lesson that John, the Revelator, knew. This close disciple to the Lord Jesus who was kicked out of his own land and forced to live on an island and die on an island. Here's something that Peter knew who was crucified upside down because he didn't want to be crucified right side up like Jesus. He, if he was going to be crucified, he wanted to be crucified upside down. Here is something that every faithful Christian has understood for centuries, I'm begging you to understand today. Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Friend, Nehemiah didn't write that, but I'm telling you, Nehemiah lived that. Peter didn't write it, but he lived it. John didn't write it, but he lived it. And I could point out Christians to you sitting in this church who have lived this through 
difficulty and temptation and problems and issues and being fired and being accused and having all sorts of issues. Why? Because they know running from God never works. Standing firm in the love of God always works. What I'm telling you as a church, what I'm telling you as a Christian and every family here is that when problems come, not if, when they come, backing away from the people of God, backing away from the Word of God, backing away from the will of God and from the worship of God, and even if it was possible, backing away from the presence of God is never the solution to find victory. It is only standing firm in Jesus and knowing what kind of man would I be if I ran away and tried to distance myself not only from the problems, but from the solution? In all these things, Paul says, we are more than conquerors. There is no reason to run and to be afraid. There is only Jesus, and He is the one that makes us stand firm. Problems are going to come as a church. Problems are going to come as a Christian. Problems are going to come as a family. But I'm thankful today to be able to tell you, based on the authority of the Word of God, the solution to any and all of those problems never changes. And if we will simply trust in the one true and living God and know that God is an ever-present help in the time of trouble, then we will always be victorious no matter what. And there may be somebody here who's never felt victory in your life. You have felt defeated by sin, by temptation, by problems. You feel as though your life has amounted to nothing and you live in this constant cycle of disappointment to yourself and to other people. Friend, I can tell you the way to step out of all of that discouragement and disappointment is to step into the person of Jesus Christ and to admit today, I know I'm a sinner. I know that my sin separates me from a relationship with God and today I want to repent of that sin. I want to confess it to God, turn my back on that sin, turn my face to Jesus and trust that when Jesus died on the cross, He died for me. And if you've never professed your faith and trust in Jesus, if you've never been born again, there is no better time than right now to turn from that sin and to trust in Jesus. But if as a believer in Christ you have made that decision, why would you ever back away from the one who can save you eternally and he can also save you momentarily? The one who has you in the palm of his hands forever. Why would you back away from him in that moment of intense pressure when a problem comes and think, well, God can handle my salvation eternally, but he just can't handle this problem momentarily. From the same God who has you forever has you right now. If you'll stand firm in him and trust in him and know that God has got you, you are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the salvation that is ours through Jesus Christ, your Son.
Father, we are so very thankful and blessed to have been called into Your family, adopted into Your family through the sacrifice of Jesus. Lord, if there is any person here struggling with problems, issues, sin, temptation in their life, and Lord, if they've never given their life to Jesus, then I pray that today would be the day that they would be born again. Father, if they have given their life to Christ, if they have been born again, but still find that they struggle with those problems daily, struggle with those temptations, struggle with those issues, struggle with different accusations that are false. God, I pray that You would strengthen our hands, strengthen our hearts, strengthen our minds, strengthen our feet, strengthen our arms to stand and to trust You. To not back away from Jesus, but God, to stand firm in Him. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.